Hi, friend. You are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, a podcast created especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. My name is Janelle Wood, and while I have a background in counseling and ministry with women, the truth is I've been through my own seasons of questioning my faith. So if you've ever struggled with not being sure where you belong, or you felt like you were faking faith, or maybe a friend just shared this episode with you and you are feeling a little wounded or skeptical of all things God-related right now, welcome. This podcast is just for you. Finding Something Real is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. My passion is Jesus Christ, and for me now, After having been through some real ups and downs on my own faith journey, I believe Christ is the hope and the answer to this world more than ever. But don't take my word for it. Listen to my friends as they share their own grace-filled journeys with you. My prayer is that if you haven't already, you'll find something real too. Well, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and... Man, you're in for a treat today. I wanted to ask you, friend, would you follow Jesus if it seemed like most everyone around you was choosing something else? Or how do you stay anchored to faith in Christ when you are constantly bombarded with big questions about Christianity, not just by friends or culture, but by some of the highest regarded intellectual thinkers of our time? We're going to talk about that and some more things today on the Finding Something Real podcast. And I'm excited to welcome back this month's co-host. She's a dear, dear person in my life, Dakmar. Dakmar, welcome back to the program. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Dakmar, I've loved our conversations. And the thing that I love, I think, the most about um, doing this with you so far is just how honest you've been and vulnerable with your questions and just being really real. And I, I so appreciate that. And I think there's a lot of value for people listening uh, to hear somebody wrestle with these things out loud. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. <laughs> What's it been like so far? Um, yeah, it's been really interesting. So I think that's the same thing I said last, last time. <laughs> But I've learned a lot, and um, I've definitely got some new perspective. Yeah. I'm excited. So, Dagmar, you and I and the listener hearing this right now, like I said, we're in for a real treat today. I love the work this guest is doing throughout the world with his podcast slash radio program called Unbelievable. I've talked about him many times over the last year. I've read his book. (laughs) By the way, this guest is the only person that I've had on this program that I know of where somebody who was on here later as a guest was like, if you ever listen to this, so-and-so, I'd love to be on your program. Um, Anyway, (laughs) I've read this guest uh, book. Um, It's also called Unbelievable. And watched some of his TikToks, which is a recent development, I think. And I have to say that his willingness to listen and engage with people at different faith and cultural backgrounds or from different faith and cultural backgrounds was a huge influence on this podcast taking a different format this year. Um, I'll say more about that in a minute. In fact, today's guest was on this podcast to talk with my 11-year-old son, Caleb, and I um, last fall, and we talked about the risks involved with creating space for people to hear both sides and what he said. Uh, Friends, you'll have to go back and listen to that episode. I'll link it in the show notes. Made me stop, think, 
pray and decide to do the thing that I believed that God had been putting on my heart to do. So I'm very excited to welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, Justin Brierley. Justin, welcome back. Oh, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to be with you, Janelle. Thank you very much for having me back. And uh, I'm so glad we could make this work with our various different time zones that we're all in. Well, it's quite special. <laughs> it's quite a thing. It's 1 a.m. here. It's early there. <laughs> it's early in the Netherlands. I mean, isn't technology kind of amazing? It's uh, mm. really special. So in the interest of time, I will ask you some other questions that I would normally ask right now. But I'm going to let Doc Mar just jump right in and ask some of her questions. I know you've listened to some of her story, Justin. And real quick, Doc Mar, um, I know I've shared a little bit about Justin, but he hosts a program for anyone listening, um, that's really, really unique. In fact, Justin, would you would you share what that what that sure. program looks like? Uh, I'll, very briefly, yeah. I, I've for uh, 15 years now, believe it or not, I've been hosting a radio show and podcast called Unbelievable with a question mark because we're always asking a question on the show, and it's about bringing Christians and non Christians together for dialogue and debate. Uh, so it's actually broadcast by a Christian radio station here in the UK, but we bring on atheists, agnostics. Uh, Buddhists, Muslims, Jews, all all in conversation with Christians. I sit down and have these dialogues week in and week out. We also do different Christians as well with different perspectives on issues coming together as well. So it's been going, yeah, for 15 years. Um, I wrote a book uh, that Janelle referenced on uh, about three years ago now, um, which was really my case for faith after over 10 years at that point of listening to lots of objections to Christianity, but why I believe it's still the most compelling story of reality. And um, yeah, and there are other things we do. We have a uh, an annual conference. In fact, it's coming up in uh, six weeks time, um, the 15th of May, we're, we're doing uh, a kind of online conference where we've got some great speakers and things. Um, and we've also got a, a wonderful um, video series as well from the show called The Big Conversation, um, which is just, just launched actually over the Easter period. Um, we've um, got some wonderful thinkers again, Christians and non-Christians coming together to discuss the biggest questions in life. So, um, I mean, I, I, I heard on a previous episode where you were talking about your own completely understandable questions about um, suffering and coronavirus. And funnily enough, we, we did just talk about that on our own show just recently with two amazing thinkers. Um, one's called Bishop Robert Barron, who's a um, Catholic thinker in the USA, has a huge audience. Um, he has like a YouTube channel over 400,000 subscribers and um, just a, a really creative and interesting thinker opposite an atheist um, young guy called Cosmic Skeptic who also has a you know 400,000 follower <laughs> YouTube channel um, so it was really interesting bringing these two people together for the first time debating the issue of evil and suffering uh, and yeah, people who want to listen to that um, or watch it is the big conversation dot show but uh, yeah that's what I do I, I kind of encourage these kinds of conversations and I just love being in the middle of them that what's different for this is that I'm not usually the one kind of putting the case for faith so it's always I always um, you know I don't very often do this side of the microphone mm -hmm. where I'm actually the person you know making the case um, but I've done a little bit more of that since I've written the book. Um, but normally I'm, I'm most comfortable doing what Janelle is doing, which is just, you know, being the host and, and that kind of thing. It's so, a lot yeah. easier over here, isn't it, Justin? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, Doc Marr, uh, knowing that about what Justin does, do you have any questions for him? Yeah, I do. Because, um, well, you said that you know um, how it feels like to be a Christian among 
mostly non-Christians. So I was wondering, like, how did you do it? Mm. Well, I, I, I've got to confess, I, I had the, um, you know, the privilege of being born into a Christian family. Um, so in a way, I was raised within a Christian sort of world in that sense, though, obviously, the UK, as Janelle says, is generally very secular. But I had um, I, I was also, you know, um, in a way I was brought up in a church and it sounds like the kind of church I was raised in was quite different to yours. Um, it was much more kind of uh, maybe contemporary. It was it had a bit more of a sense of the reality of Christianity, you know, was really sort of talked about and. Um, there were other young people around, you know, I was regularly with other young people who, you know, believed. And so in a way, you know, I had a, a foundation to start with. Now, that didn't obviously bring me to the point of faith necessarily. It was something that my parents had. But I, I think it's something I had to accept for myself. Um, but that came at a point, I think, in my sort of mid to late teens, really, where I think I started to take it more seriously started to ask those questions around is, you know, is this true? It, you know, I didn't want to just be going to church because that's what my parents did. Um, and so I, I got to a point where I, I began to take it seriously um, to pray. And eventually, actually, I had a, an experience, which I would say kind of um, was, was quite an emotional experience, actually, where I felt that God became real in my life in a new way. Um, having said all that, you know, I went on to um, university, I was at Oxford University and met lots of very intelligent people who had big questions about Christianity and frankly lots of very skeptical people you know so my you know I had still had plenty of questions but I began reading people C.S. Lewis was very helpful in those early formative years really as I was looking into these issues um, and I start and I worked through some of the questions I had and you know there were periods of doubt you know definitely at that point in my life but I'd say I managed to sort of find answers to some of those issues and um, and so, yeah, life went forward. I met my, you know, the person who's now my wife, Lucy, and we um, we were able in a way to go on the journey together as well, which which is, is hugely helpful. Um, so even though, yeah, it's a generally, you know, quite a secular country, the UK, um, I was in a way I had that that opportunity to actually explore my faith with other people who did believe um, and also find answers to some of those skeptical questions, which inevitably came my way from people who didn't believe, you know, um, and that's, that's really, you know, and, you know, now looking back, you know, I see all of that as having been quite helpful in bringing me to the place where I can now conduct the kind of conversations I have with others who do and don't believe. Um, so, so in a way, you know, I see it all as there being some plan or purpose in it to, to bring me to that position. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. For me, it's kind of hard because, um, uh, well, my grandparents are Christians, they're Catholic. Um, and as you know, my dad is a Jehovah Witness with my step family. But other than that, I think my, my grandpa on the other side is uh, Christian too. But no one else in my family is really Christian. And um, my boyfriend's family is also very not Christian. <laughs> they have serious doubts. And they're like, we could never believe in this. And um, same goes for my boyfriend. So that's also kind of hard. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I don't really know that many people who are my age who are Christians. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I can ask questions, but they're never 
the people that answer them are never yeah. like in the yeah. same stage of life as me. Yeah, I, and I think that's really tough because I think it is, it is that much harder. I think to explore Christianity or faith when you don't really have anyone around you who maybe even believes. Really, I mean, obviously you've you've got, as you say, um, your your grandparents and um, the parents who have uh, become Jehovah's Witness, but it's it's obviously it's it's tricky when most of your friends and you know uh, and so on so i i fully accept it's it's really difficult in that case um i mean what makes you i i i apologize for turning interviewer here but i i would love to know what what makes you then interested even to do this you know to to explore these questions what's kind of kept you just interested enough i suppose to want to to continue this kind of a conversation Oh, I think it's just something in me that wants to believe. Like um, it was in my first podcast. Uh, I was baptized at eight because back then I firmly believed that it was true and I wanted to be a part of it. Mm. Um, and then it kind of slipped away because I was raised uh, like sort of Catholic, but not really. Mm. <laughs> um I guess something just always stuck. And even though I didn't yeah. do anything with it for the last 10 years, I, it's still somewhere in me that I want to believe. And it's not something that I completely shove to the side that it's like, that's not true. I was, I just had my questions and I didn't really have a way to get answers. So when this opportunity came up, I thought, yeah, I mean, why not? I, at least then I get to ask my questions even if I don't get the answers I want, I will still get to ask them. Yeah. Yeah. I think so much is, um, it can depend so much, can't it, on, on the circumstance you are, you find yourself in where you're born, the family you're raised with. It, it has a massive impact, doesn't it? On, on your, whether you feel you can start to talk or, or look into these questions, but I'm fascinated really because, most people, you know, in your situation would probably have sort of, it would have just, you know, gone away from them. And when I talk to most people, frankly, in, especially in the Netherlands and, you know, Nordic countries, most of the time, and we did a show on this recently on my program, actually, a lot of them will say, it just doesn't really come up. You know, religion is kind of like, it's been there in the background, but no one really thinks about it these days. It's not really something, you know, on people's radar or whatever. Um, but what's interesting is there are still, you know, I still find meet christians in places like the netherlands and elsewhere who are very actually uh passionate about their faith who who are very you know um interested and intellectually engaged um just at our church you know um the person who is our kind of church administrator comes from uh, holland and uh, she has a wonderfully strong faith and you know we'll talk about the people in her life you know who were believers um, I, I've been to, you know, the Netherlands uh, several times, a wonderful country. Um, and I just, you know, wonderful people as well. Um, but one of the most memorable things I did once when I was there was go to um, Harlem in the Netherlands, where I, I don't know if you are familiar with the story of Corrie ten Boom. Um, does I that ring there. any bells for you? I went there oh, two went there years well, ago with yeah, your yeah. mom and with Lika. Uh, that's ah, where we went okay. to her house. I've never been there. <laughs> You've not been there. Wow. Dagmar missed wow. that trip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you should go one day. You should go. Um, because um, Corrie Ten Boom, if you don't know the story, has the most remarkable story. Her whole family have this remarkable story, um, which she wrote about in a book called The Hiding Place. 
about really um, th their faith, um, which uh, during the Second World War, while the Nazis were obviously occupying um, Holland, they they um, hid Jewish people um, from the Nazis and they kind of built this special fake wall and you go to the house, you can see it and everything where, where it all happened. Uh, but how, and because of their faith, you know, they, they felt this was the thing to do. Um, but how all of their family ultimately ended up being taken away, taken to concentration camps. And it's, it's just the most remarkable story about how Corrie survived that, even though she saw her sister, who she loved so much, die in that concentration camp. And this incredible faith that she still had, despite all of that. And um, so if you want one story, just one story of someone from where you live who had this amazing faith, go and read Corrie ten Boom. Um, she's just an extraordinary, extraordinary woman while she was alive. And um, so, so I, I, I look at myself and, you know, um, I, I, and I, I look at someone like Corrie ten Boom and, and those are the kind of people I aspire to be, you know, those kinds of, she is to me like one of the heroes of the faith because of what she went through and the huge questions she faced, you know, far, far greater than, than anything I've ever faced in my life. But she was able to hold on to this extraordinary faith in, in Jesus Christ. Um, so, you know, I would say even even in places that seem quite secular, like like Holland, there are incredible stories as well to be found. And and in fact, if you go back even just a short time in the history of Holland, you know, you will find actually that in many ways that culture, as much as it is quite secular today, and I would say the same here in the UK, it's actually been founded on a very Christian culture in the past. It's it's like you don't have to dig far to see that Christianity had a huge impact on the way, you know, Europe was developed, especially Holland and the the kind of the Protestant, you know, Reformation culture that, that brought it to where it is. And I think often people forget how much the things they value, um, the human rights, the values, the education system, everything really is actually very often been gifted by that that history, even though we've often then forgotten the Christianity that kind of brought it to us in many ways. So I guess I, I would all it is to say is that, um, you know, just because we see at this point in our culture, you know, a kind of drift towards a kind of secular way of thinking in in your country, in my country, it's only a small part of the story. There, there are many other stories. And um, in my opinion, as a Christian, I believe God isn't finished in a sense with with Holland, with the UK. I think we're we're just part of a story. And and I think we're going to see, you know, that story develop as as time goes on. Yeah. Yeah, I get that, because um like in the netherlands we have um kind of like a string in, throughout the country it's called the bible belt and um it's also the the places where the uh field storm so it was um protestants would raid catholic churches and um in those uh places there's still a lot of faith and mm. um where I grew up uh, in Zealand, that's one of those places. So in in Zealand, there's still a lot of faith, but mostly uh, reformed, I think. No, that's probably Protestant. Mm -hmm. um, it is the same thing, really. Yeah, yeah, reformed yeah. and Protestant. So yeah, yeah. it's not really that. It's like, um, it's a very strict kind of Christian community. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's more like Catholic than uh, Reformed, but it's okay. It's here. It's called Reformeerd. So yeah. <laughs> it's kind of weird to translate it. 
but yeah, so I can see that there's still like a lot of faith in here, but it's in such different ways that it doesn't really suit me. But I guess I'll just have to look a bit harder because I'm sort of somewhere here. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And, and I think that's often is often the thing, you know, um, the way that faith is expressed comes out in so many different ways, doesn't it? And and it can be often difficult or confusing, really, to to, to sort of see how how they connect with each other and hearing a bit of your story in, in a previous program, you know, obviously you've been exposed to, you know, Catholic sort of form of Christianity. And then obviously your dad adopted, you know, the Jehovah's Witness perspective. And, yeah. um, and I can see where, where that all kind of, you know, it's difficult to understand. Is it this? Is it that? Who has the correct, you know, thing? Um, I know, I don't know whether you, have you been, um, I, I think that Janelle, you recommended uh, mere Christianity to, uh, yeah to Dagmar. Did you manage to read any of it yet, Dagmar? I have it on my reading, reading list, but <laughs> I haven't started yet. <laughs> well, whenever you get round to it, one of the really helpful insights I think that C.S. Lewis has is, is kind of actually encapsulated in the title of the book there, Mere Christianity. Because I think whatever the different traditions are, you know, Reformed, Catholic, and so on, um, there is a kind of, there is a kind of basic if you like, level at which there is some things Christians can agree on. Now, I would say just for the record that I do think Jehovah's Witnesses do actually fall outside of this because I think they have some, some perspectives, some beliefs that simply would for me count as not Christian in, in a way. But, but when we're talking about, you know, Catholics and Protestants and, and diff the different variations of, of those that exist, um, what, what I would say you're looking for is, is to maybe strip away some of the cultural issues and some of the the doctrines that kind of are, are kind of quite specific um to different you know different forms of christianity what you're looking for is the the mere christianity what is the basics if you like that just to say i'm a christian you would need to kind of believe in and um and for me you know that those are some ultimately that there's a few key things it's believing that jesus is the son of god um and that uh, he died for our sins and that he rose again. So those are kind of like, you know, some of the, the key things, obviously belief in a God, you know, a creator God who created this world. Um, and, and, uh, you know, and a belief also in the Holy spirit, the, this, um, uh, the, that, that person of God who enables us to live this Christian life, to, to go forward and to, um, to live in, in the light of Jesus's resurrection. And of course we do that with other people with the church but the church can be very varied you know i have friends who you know all over the theological spectrum but i still see them as christians because we still have this this basic belief in jesus christ and that's you know that's the foundation of it all and i think c.s lewis's book is very helpful because he says i'm not trying to defend this version of christianity or that version of christianity i'm just trying to show why it's reasonable to believe in the, the basics the mere christianity and yeah. and that maybe is is the place to start because it can be very confusing when you go into all the different you know particulars of of the different expressions of of Christianity. Yeah, yeah, that's really great. Hold on, I um I have to go to the train, so I'm gonna put my video out and I'm gonna put myself on mute, and then Janelle can take over. And if I have any questions in between, I'm just gonna answer them. I will just unmute myself. No problem. Okay. No problem. okay. Thank you, anyways. If I am. No worries. No I'll worries. I will... something, but thanks. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> we'll talk when we when you when you come on the line. Yeah. Yeah. Just okay. Great. 
Uh, thank you, Duckmore. Justin, I wanted to ask you a follow-up question because um, you, <laughs> you've put yourself in a position where you're constantly um, surrounded by people who doubt, who have real questions about Christianity. When you started your, your radio program, um, or, or even now, was there a fear that maybe some of those objections or doubts uh, connected to, to faith, that, that those would somehow um, penetrate your own faith? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's one thing to look at somebody like a Corey Ten Boom and go, wow, I'm really inspired by her. It's another thing to say, okay, I'm choosing Jesus, and now I'm going out into a culture or into an environment where I'm going to get these kind of questions in Dokmar's case, her boyfriend and his family, saying, hey, here's some real objections to Christianity, mm-hmm. and uh, how can you believe these things, right? So would you speak a little bit to that and mm-hmm. how, yeah. you, how you deal with that? Yeah. Well, in a way, you know, starting the show I started, you know, was a way of putting myself right in the firing line for those things, because I think it's possible especially if you do have some Christian community around you to kind of to, to, to kind of live in a and I think especially is especially true maybe in places like parts of the USA you can live in a bit of a bubble mm-hmm. where you don't have to too much be bothered by skeptical questions if you've got enough community around you that believe as I say for, for someone like Dagmar and myself a little bit harder in, in a more secular context um, but in a way doing the show definitely did put me right in the firing line inviting some of these really well-known skeptics and just saying you know ask your hardest questions let's talk about these issues <laughs> um and and yeah I mean there were certainly especially in the early years where I was doing the show where maybe I I was still learning about all the different kinds of objections to Christianity and that kind of thing there were definitely some of those guests who really you know gave me really pause for thought um I wouldn't say my faith was ever like shaken to the core but there were some nights when I was you know tossing and turning with oh, how, you know, maybe the night before we were going to do a show and I've just read this person's book and it's, you know, asking really tough questions about Christianity. You know, I might be wondering, you know, how are we going to, how will this be answered? Will, will it be answered? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so in a way I'm, I'm used to those sorts of objections and questions and, but in a funny way, putting yourself in the firing line, especially if you've got, I think a helpful person on the other side of the conversation, if it's a two way conversation, uh, someone who knows what they're talking about, someone who has already thought about these questions, it can be really good because actually you realize there are answers to, to many of these questions. And um, the problem sometimes comes is when you're only hearing the objections and you don't have access to some good answers, some good you know thoughts on the other side, because then you're only ever hearing one side of the the issue. Now, this is true for Christians as well. If they only ever hear the positive side, then that's equally unbalanced. And when they go out into the world, they won't have, um, they won't be prepared actually for when the the objections come because they won't have been given an opportunity to actually think through. So I think, I think what, what's been helpful about the show is having that front row seat to hearing both sides of the, the, the issues. And, and for me, that has actually been a faith building thing. Now, it will hit different people differently. You know, not everyone is me. Not everyone comes to it with my experience and and my particular perspective. So for some people, you know, they may go away feeling like, ah, actually, I feel less confident, you know. Others will come to it and go away feeling, yeah, I'm more confident now. But in a way, I've always felt like, well, that's, it's not my job in a way to make sure this side wins or that side wins. 
it's it's my job i feel my calling is with the unbelievable show specifically to um to try and bring both sides on and have the best conversation we can have and allow people to make up their own mind um and sometimes that will involve going through you know difficult things you know there's plenty of people i think who listen to my show and it's kind of it can be an uncomfortable listening experience because they're being challenged with you know objections to faith that they maybe hadn't even thought about before but ultimately if Christianity is true, then I think it can stand these kinds of objections, any kind of objections, ultimately. Mm -hmm. And these days, the reality is you're only kind of a Google click away from very radical skepticism. So it's it's much harder these days anyway to live in a kind of bubble where you never have to hear any objections. We live in an age of the Internet. We live in an age, you know, um, where you are more likely to, to have non-christian skeptical friends and neighbors around you like dagmar does so i think i think it's good actually to have a place like the unbelievable show where at least you're going to hear both sides of the of the issue and you may not be convinced and that's fine you know it's not a show where there has to be one right answer but it's at least a place where you get to think think it through and evaluate it for yourself and as i say only speaking for myself i have found that actually my faith is stronger on the other side of it now it's different very often. I've had to think through and be more nuanced often with a lot of the, the subjects that I had. You know, I once maybe had one particular view and I've had to adapt and change and think it through and maybe it looks a bit different coming out the other side on some issues. But ultimately I find actually that it, although it takes a few bashes along the way, sometimes, you know, sometimes that actually toughens things up. You know, you can think of, um, the way that you know uh sometimes it's actually through heating up metal and bashing it you know that actually it becomes stronger it can't becomes tougher and i think that's true of faith sometimes you you have to experience sometimes some difficulty some issues and it becomes tough tougher and stronger actually as it comes through that um i mean the, the story of Corrie ten boom is a, is maybe a classic example of that someone who went through something that you know for most people would shatter their faith potentially but for her, you know, in, in an extraordinary way, it brought her out into being stronger Christian than ever before. Um, so, and, and I think that can even be true of the intellectual questions that come, but they're never just intellectual, as you know, Janelle, you know, there's always um, an intellectual component to us, but also a kind of emotional, spiritual component, if you like. And, and it's, it's the journey of the two and how you both answer those intellectual questions, but kind of also that emotional, experiential side of you is satisfied ultimately so i wouldn't want to cast this as a purely intellectual journey either for me it's definitely been both of those things coming together and um and but ultimately finding that i find myself most satisfied in the person of jesus christ that 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 still has all the art the answers that i need ultimately are found as much as there continue to be mysteries and many things you know that I, I can't claim to, to know the answer to, but but mm. but I still find myself compelled by this person, this this Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I know a lot of people reach out to you uh, with your program, Justin. I mean, what you're doing is groundbreaking stuff. It's pretty remarkable. I, I loved chatting about um, your program when you were on here before. What do you say to somebody who reaches out to you who says, wow, the story of Jesus is compelling. I hear all these different arguments, and um, I see why Christianity could be true. But I just, I, I'll never come to the end of my doubts. So how do you make the leap from 
doubting and questioning to faith. How what do you, how do you encourage someone like that? Because mm. one of the things that Doc Mar said in her first episode is, um, I mean, I might be misquoting you, Doc Mar, so speak up if I'm wrong. <laughs> but I think it, it's like, how do I know? Uh, I can't see Jesus. I'd like to know, you know, uh, I can't feel him. So for someone who hasn't had that experience, what do you say? Mm. Yeah, it's it's a great great question, and and Dagmar, do do feel free to leap in if you want to at any point. But um, I think the first thing to say is that even someone who is a you know signed up follower of Jesus Christ, we all have doubts. You know, it's not like suddenly there's some line you cross and you never have any doubts thereafter. Um, doubt is part of the Christian journey. Um, you're never going to have certainty. You know, and in a way, if you had certainty, then you, I don't think you would call it faith um, <laughs> because certainty is kind of like a mathematical proof. You know, it's something that you can maybe believe in, but it's not something you need to trust in. It's just it's just like a fact. Um, and and I, you know, that's the thing. Faith is not the absence of doubt. That's the point, I suppose, is um, doubt will always be part of it. Some people think that faith is the same thing as certainty. And I would say, no, it's not. Um, certainty isn't something we're guaranteed in the Christian life. Not on many things. It's not. We, 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 we are in a kind of a, a relationship, you know, and in any anyone who is in a relationship knows that you you take things on trust. You can't know everything. You can't know exactly what your partner is doing every hour of the day. You can't. And, and relationships where you have to know that are quickly become very toxic, you know, but because actually things that we believe it, you know, the things that really make a difference in our life, we do on trust. We do because we, we have kind of put our faith in someone. Um, and we won't, we will never know everything about that person. Okay. And I think it's the same with, with Christianity, you know, um, I, I'm never going to have all of my questions answered this side of eternity. I just think that, you know, maybe never will. Um, but there's a, I think there's a point at which, I have enough that I can take that step of faith. Mm. So I don't want to say faith is just kind of believing something, trusting something without any evidence. Um, I actually think there is good evidence for the Christian faith that, that's available actually for all of us. We can all look at some of the facts around Jesus and the stories in the gospels and the growth of the early church. And for me, there's a very strong series of pieces of evidence that point towards this idea that it was really true what they said that Jesus rose again yeah and I think at the core of Christianity is this um this claim this historical claim that something remarkable happened to Jesus of Nazareth and that that has changed the world ever since and I think there are lots of other pieces of evidence that come into play as well I think there are lots of good reasons to believe there really is a God, that there's a purpose behind the universe, that there's a, a mind, um, that there is, uh, you know, a, a moral reality that is part of, you know, our reality and that that had to come from somewhere. So I think there's lots of pieces of evidence that all for me, if you like, intellectually point towards a creator, point towards this person, Jesus. But that doesn't leave you without you know, any questions, there's loads and loads of questions that we still would be completely valid to ask and which Dagmar has asked, you know, in previous podcasts. Um, and there may be answers to some of that. I think, you know, I would always be happy to sit down and talk that through with someone, but I'd have my own questions as well. You know, I don't, I'm not saying I'm 
got all the answers to all of the questions I have either. But I think what I do have is enough to trust. It's enough to put my faith in Jesus. And I think that's the thing is that faith is not coming to some point of certainty where all of my questions are answered and now I can go forward because that's not the way life works ever. You know, Mm -hmm. there's nothing in which you can say every single one of my questions has been answered. You know, whenever you step into a relationship with someone, you are doing it on the basis of, I think I've got enough to know that I can trust this person, but you don't know everything actually. And and obviously in, in life, we actually do get left let down sometimes because we realize we didn't know everything about that person but I think when it comes to Christianity we're given enough to be able to take that step of faith but really that's where the journey begins you know that the intellectual stuff is just kind of sometimes putting the, the the blocks together in a shape that makes us be able to take that step because that's when the the exciting part begins for me which is actually trusting in this Jesus and seeing what difference it makes when you start to live your life in the light of that. Um, And I think there's a, for lots of people, they have to spend time questioning and prodding and poking. But I love the example that um, the one person gave to me once of this. Um, He said, there was a a woman and uh, she had a friend who was a Christian, but this woman had lots of doubts, lots of questions. She was on an interesting journey. She was interested, maybe Christianity is true, but I'm not sure. Um, so they had lots of conversations. Um, but eventually this this woman who was a Christian took her friend to a church and they looked at it from the outside. It was a ancient Gothic kind of big tall building. And from the outside, it looked very austere and even quite foreboding, you know, these tall, dark windows, you know, Um, these stained glass windows from which from the outside just looked you know very dark and it almost looked threatening really anyway they went round to the front of the building and they said let's have a look at it from the inside and Mm -hmm. so she took her friend over the threshold and went inside and and inside it was a completely different experience because from the inside the sunlight was streaming in through those windows and the whole place was bathed in this glorious color and this glorious light and what the friend said to her friend was look Christianity, sometimes you need to be on the outside and asking those questions. But ultimately, it's about finding enough to be able to take a step inside and experience it from the inside. And often things are quite different when they're experienced from the inside than when you're on the outside. And for me, that's quite a helpful analogy that sometimes you have to, the the step of faith is actually walking into it saying, okay, I think I've got enough here to maybe walk inside and test this, see what happens. And very often the experience, you know, is a different one. Once you once you do that, you step into something. Um, so that I think is the challenge for anyone who's considering, you know, am I there yet? But it will always involve, you will never have all your questions answered. It always involves trusting enough to take that step where you actually, you know, invest something into it and, and see see whether it holds you up in the end. Yeah, I love that. I'll remember that visual for a long time. I'm sure I'll be talking about it on future podcast episodes. Um, So I wanted to pivot a little bit because, so years ago, um, Justin, I watched this movie called Ragamuffin Gospel and uh, the story of Rich Mullins. And there's a scene in the movie where he's listening to um, a tape of Brennan Manning uh, a preacher talking about um, what he believes would happen or what what God will say when we 
we stand before him one day in glory. And you can hear Brennan, you know, (laughs) in his husky voice saying this. And he says, um, I believe that when we stand before God on Judgment Day, there's only one question he's going to ask every single one of us, which is, uh, did you believe that I loved you, that I desired you, that I wanted you? And um, Justin, I think something that compels me to do this podcast is um, the knowledge that there's a lot of people, and, and I was one of these people, even though I grew up in the church, who struggle with that. Like, do I really believe that God loves me, right? And um, the difference between somebody who grew up in the church and is looking outward, wondering, you know, do I want to stay here, or the person who's outside looking in, maybe is that question of whether there is a God who actually cares and loves me and desires me and, you know, is, is good. So I want to ask you about the COVID question that Dr. brought up um, mm. in her beginning episode, and it's kind of been something we've touched on a little bit uh, in previous episodes. But if God is good and he desires us, he loves us, why are why do bad things happen? I know, I know that's a huge question, but I'm going to give you a chance to to kind of address yeah. it. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it is, it is a huge question. Um, and I think it's probably the hardest question that gets asked because it's not just an intellectual question. It's, it's a real question for many people. And it's, you know, for many people, it's the point at which, even if they've been a believer, when some tragedy hits them, emotionally, it's very difficult to deal with that and ask why why would a good God allow this to happen, you know? So I don't want to, the first thing to say is um, whatever answer I give at this point, um, the first thing people are looking for is not always an intellectual answer. If it's coming from a place of brokenness and pain, um, often what someone needs at that point is just your love and your care and just to sit and weep with them, you know, because very often, the intellectual answers can appear very dry and um, cold, you know, when when we're actually confronting real pain and real tragedy. So that would be the first thing I'd want to say is uh, don't don't rush in with an answer necessarily to what is actually an, an emotional uh, kind of uh, an issue. But if the point does come where people do have the intellectual question ultimately about why would a good God allow something like coronavirus to happen. But we could mention any number of other things, you know, coronavirus is just the latest thing in a way. Um, there have been many tragedies, many types of illness and disease that, that could equally be mentioned. Um, it's, it's a really tough question. And I'm not going to claim here that I have the answer, you know, because um, I think there are interesting ways of understanding it and thinking it through. But ultimately, um, whether it's a satisfactory answer will will ultimately be for each person to decide for themselves. But I'll give you some perspectives that that have helped me, at least, in thinking through these kinds of questions. I mean, the very first thing I would ask, and interestingly, if Dagmar gets gets to read the book, Mere Christianity, she'll find this in the book. Um, But the fact that evil exists, the fact that suffering exists, Although it poses a huge question about the goodness of God, it should also make us question whether life is just meaningless, whether life just is, you know, 
uh, an atheistic universe in which there is no God, where there is just the laws of um, nature. There's just matter in motion, whether everything is really boiled down to just the physical stuff of the universe. Because if that is true, if that's the kind of universe that we are actually living in, then it's very hard to even talk about the concept of evil because you've got to ask yourself, well, where is this evil? What is this evil? Well, ultimately, if all that nature is, is basically the forces of nature, survival, everything else, well, we have no reason to expect any special privilege or favor. Um, there is just what there is in nature. Um, it's very hard to say the universe should be this way. You know, people shouldn't treat each other wrongly. Children shouldn't die because of illness. Um, all of those questions involve an idea of justice, an idea that there is a right and a wrong way to the way life should be. But if there is no ultimate purpose, there are no, there is no ultimate morality, there is no direction to the universe, there is just whatever the universe throws at us through, you know, the atoms and electrons and forces of nature that exist, then it renders the question almost meaningless. So I think the first challenge really to the, to the atheist, to the person who says, I don't believe in God because why would that God allow so much evil and suffering in the world is how do you even get this concept of evil and suffering? It's very hard to even have that concept in a world that is just made ultimately of matter in motion. It's, it's, it's a kind of a meaningless concept. And, and the reason I mentioned C.S. Lewis is because he says he has this amazing, uh, I'm probably going to butcher it a bit, the, the, the quotation, but where, where he says, um, I, I, my problem with God was that the universe was so full of injustice. But he says, but where had I got this concept of justice and injustice from? Where, how can you anyone call a, um, uh, a, a line crooked unless he has an idea of a straight line? He was basically saying there had to be some measure against which I was saying, this is wrong, this is evil. There has to be some standard. And in a universe without God, there is no such standard. So you realize that ultimately, even his question about evil involved a notion that there must be some right, there must be some good that he was judging it by. So it, it, even at that point, that very question brought Lewis to the point of thinking, well, maybe God isn't absent here. It's just, I need to work out why this God would allow this kind of universe to exist. And, and again, there are some wonderful um, books that he's written, The Problem of Pain and others, where he, he himself offers some of answers to, to this, this question. Personally, um, I think there are a few different ways of approaching this. Um, if there is a God, why would he allow pain and suffering? I think the first thing is a lot of the suffering and pain that we experience in life is actually down to us, not down to God, in the sense that God has given us the freedom. Uh, one of the greatest good things God gave us is the ability to choose, to be free. Uh, and that involves not just choosing what I had for breakfast this morning, but actually choosing to love. You know, that is perhaps the greatest gift we have is the ability to choose um, good over evil. OK, it's what makes us human. Ultimately, if we weren't given the ability to choose to have freedom, we wouldn't be human. We would be robots. We would just if God stepped in every time we were going to choose the wrong thing rather than the right thing, we would no longer have free will. We would just be, become kind of like, you know, robots if you just tapped a magic wand and made us do the right thing. 
it would me it would make life kind of just yeah we would just be you know uh playing a part in a play or something we'd have no choice in the matter so i think god gave us this ability to choose but the problem of course the flip side of that is that it means that we don't always choose the right thing so a lot of the the suffering and evil that exists in the world is because of because of that and um and so rather than lay the blame at god's door for that kind of thing i think we have to ask ourselves what's my responsibility in this how do i live in such a way as i bring about the kind of world that god wants um and mo- many many of the things we experience in the world are because of these bad choices we make as human beings um and what god's asking us to do is to join in making the kind of world he wants to see happen you know the, the kind of world he gave us the example of in the person of jesus christ and where we see christianity doing the best it can do it's often in those places where it's actually on the coal face of feeding the poor clothing um you know the naked um visiting the sick it's it's actually um that's what we're called to do and to bring in this new kingdom this new idea of of what the world can be with jesus christ um so i think a lot and and even down to things like you know the way even a natural disaster like a coronavirus or an earthquake can can affect people a lot of the actual ways in which that happens is because of the free choices we've made, the kind of world we've created. You know, a an earthquake of the same magnitude can hit Los Angeles and it can hit Haiti and have completely different effects because mm-hmm. in Haiti, where there's no infrastructure, there's, you know, very underdeveloped resources and everything, it has a massive crushing effect. You know, in Los Angeles, the buildings just wobble a bit and everyone gets on with their day because they have the resources and that's the world we live in, but we've created that world, a world where some people, you know, are able to deal with it and other people are not. So even, even our free choices make a difference, even with those things that we would think we have no control over, you know, whether it be virus or disease or, or earthquakes. Um, and, and we shouldn't be too quick to forget that, that so much of the evil and suffering that does exist in the world is not because God has done something wrong. It's because we have done something wrong. We have used our freedom that God gave us to create a world where there are these imbalances and injustices. But that still leaves us, and I'm sorry for the long the long talk here, but it still leaves us with this question, well, but why is there a world in which death exists? You know, why is there a world in which viruses, you know, can be transmitted and can affect us? And and this is where I would have to just go to kind of a bigger kind of cosmic scale to the question, which is that as a Christian, I, I do believe that I don't believe God, if you like, intended for this to be the way things are. Um, but I believe that something happened at some point in the story where a good world um, was infected. It was like it was like a, a bomb went off or something where a rebellion happened in which it introduced all of these negative effects, what we would call death and disease and dying and all of those things. But, but, but that this isn't the ultimate, this isn't, but this isn't the ultimate way in which God wants it to be. And in fact, God is calling us, if we're a Christian, if we believe in him is calling us to be part of putting the world to rights, creating a new world, bringing in this new kingdom. And that, we're kind of almost involved in a cosmic battle is, is one way I would put it that, um, that because of the freedom God has given both 
the spiritual dimension and us it's like it's like god is 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 putting us into the middle of this situation where there is death there is disease and there is all of that side of things but ultimately god can use even those things even death even disease to ultimately bring about his purposes he can actually grow us as human beings he can bring about a better world you know and this is most specifically the example of this is most specifically shown to us in jesus christ himself because if you want an example of someone who did not deserve what he got it is jesus it is someone who did everything right he lived the perfect life that's the story of jesus he showed people the way to god he showed people how to love their neighbor and and even went beyond that he said love your enemy you know he showed us the ultimate example of of what it is to be a human being in good relation with the world and in in a perfect relationship with god and yet he suffered injustice humiliation torture um uh, he uh, he was betrayed he you know he was he he excruciating pain he experienced death and ultimately god used even that even the worst kind of injustice he was able to redeem because we believe actually through his death jesus was able to bring us back to god he was able to take on all of our sin all of our shame all of our suffering in some incredible way on the cross he took all of that on himself and was able to to take it and to expunge it to to wipe the slate clean and to say now if you if you join me you can have new life you can have this new start so in christianity we have the most specific picture of the way in which god can use even the most terrible things in the world the worst injustice and turn it to good and that's ultimately what i believe is that whether it be coronavirus whether it be natural disaster whatever circumstances life throws at us it's when we look at it through the redeeming god the god who can turn these things around that ultimately is the only way we make sense of it because without god there is no sense there is no meaning it's just random it really is just whatever happens and if you happen to get lucky in the lottery of life good for you but it's hard luck on the woman born in sub-saharan africa in an aids pandemic who has no hope you know that's she just got the the raw end of the deal now that might be the way the world is okay that might be that we just live in a world where it's tough you know you just it's just random but i don't believe most of us really believe in that kind of a world we believe there is this thing called justice we believe that things shouldn't be the way they are mm. and if that's true where does that sense come from i would say it comes from this inbuilt sense that there is justice in the world there is an ultimate standard that there is a god who wants this who demands this of us and that we are and that's why so many people even if they're christians or not you know strive for that kind of world they they put their energy into making a better world but ultimately my hope is in a god who actually has given us the ultimate example of turning pain suffering injustice into hope into something you know which where we can build from and it's because of jesus christ so for me i i stand with anyone who wants to make a better world but i but personally as a christian i do it because i believe in a god who is actually calling us to do it who believe because i believe there is ultimately a god who will make everything right for whom justice will be done in the whole of the world earth 
that ultimately we will see our efforts to make a better world joined with him ultimately in one day when he brings everything back into kind of perfect alignment. So I don't believe in a world that's just random. I believe that, that there's always a purpose. I believe that, that even in the most horrendous things like coronavirus, where we should sit and weep with those who lose people uh, and we should acknowledge the tragedy of it, I still believe God can even use us in those circumstances to bring about ultimately his good purposes, his ultimate world, which is to come. But often that world is born through pain, through suffering. That is kind of, that's the reality of the human condition that we live in. But I, I believe in a God who came and went through that with us, who kind of experienced that in person in Jesus Christ. And for me, that perhaps is the greatest reason why I ultimately believe there is an answer to this problem. It's because God himself suffered it. God himself knows what it's like to experience pain and humiliation uh, and death, but went through it so that we can journey through it as well and, and be raised with him ultimately. You know, that's, that's a really, really long answer. And I so apologize for making it so long, but, but it's a huge, it's a huge question. It was, it was a really great answer. And uh, I was sitting here reminded of why I am so glad that you came on this program. (laughs) Um, Doc Mar, I don't know if you can ask anything, uh, just so I have it on the record. Uh, Doc Mar wasn't able to be here for the entire conversation, so I'm asking some questions in her stead. And actually, Justin, I want to ask this question because it came up at the end of our um, our first conversation, and um, it may not be a fair question for you, but I, I think it is. Um, so the Finding Something Real podcast, I, I always end with this question, but I'm going to change it a little bit. The Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Uh, Real is an acronym for those things, restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And I, as a believer, uh, truly believe that those things in their fullest form are found in relationship with Jesus Christ. Normally, I ask a guest at the end of each program to say um, which stands out to you the most of those things and why. But I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind speaking to why those things might ultimately be found in Jesus Christ and are in their truest form hard to find anywhere else. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You love you love springing big <laughs> questions on me. So now, <laughs> I, mean, I just thought of are, it now. <laughs> those are four great. You know, and I hadn't quite made the connection actually that real is the acronym of those. Last those time things. it was so, more you. confusing. No, no, it's fine. But. Um, yeah, restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Um, yeah, I mean, in a way, Jesus Christ, for me, does is at the center of, of those four concepts, you know. Um, I think we all, like I said earlier, it's not that as though non-Christians don't know what those concepts are. They don't have a concept of justice, for instance. You know, most people actually, that that's kind of baked into us in a way. And I think, in a way, these four concepts also a non-Christian is fully aware of the need for love, mm-hmm. for authenticity, for restoration. And even eternity actually is, is something that is kind of there as a kind of a wish, a desire almost, you know, why do we spend so much money on anti-aging cream or, you know, putting off death for so long? Fake eyelashes. I think it, exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wasn't going to mention that, but. Um, the, I will. <laughs> but the point is, I think it speaks to something in our heart that actually we long for eternity. We long for this not to be the end. We want more. We want there to be an ultimate purpose, an ultimate point to the story, you know? 
And and so I would say that that if you find if you as a non-Christian, you find a desire for restoration, eternity, authenticity, love. That's wonderful. But we only find like the shadows of those things in this life. We only find like um, we, we never find the full bodied version, if you like love. We find, of course, in relationships, in the things we do, the people we meet. But it, ultimately, we will always find it lets us down as well. You know, there isn't there are no guarantees in this life. Um, and ultimately, death separates us in the end. We feel the pain of love just as much as the the promise of love, you know, in this life. Likewise, uh, authenticity, um, restoration, we find we, we, we appreciate those things, but it's so often difficult to actually find them, you know, because it depends on other people, um, you know, whether you can be restored to someone who maybe you've fallen out with. I know families pulled apart by issues, you know, and um, what, you know, and and sadly, sometimes never find their resolution. There's never that restoration and forgiveness that needs to happen. Um, but ultimately, the reason I believe Jesus ultimately speaks most supremely to all of these things is because whether or not we find those things in an earthly sense, you know, fulfilled in our life, Jesus offers us them in ways that go beyond that. Um, so ultimately, the kind of restoration we're looking for is to live at peace with others around us. But I think we're also looking for restoration with God to, to be reconciled with God again. And that is what Jesus came to do. He came to show us the way back to God and ultimately through his death and resurrection to, to be able to open up this new way of being with God, of um, uh, having God in your life. And, and not just in my life, but also sharing this journey with other people. That's what we call the church. That's what how life is supposed to be done together. Um, he opened up the, the path to, to this kind of authenticity as well, you know, because in a way, life does force us into a mold. You know, there's this kind of way in which I think we all are striving to be someone. Um, and very often we're trying to prove ourselves to others around us. I, I mean, I look at our culture today and the Instagram culture and everything else. It's all about people trying to prove their worth, trying to prove their, you know, their value almost to other people. And that doesn't just happen through social media. It happens through all kinds of things. You know, we find our value in our, our job, in our family, in our relationships, uh, you know, in some form of success or whatever. And the question is, when that gets taken away, who are we? Who is our true authentic self? Is there anything there ultimately when those things get taken away as they will do in life? And, and what I find is that actually your authentic self ultimately has to be found in something that is not in that sense, um, a shifting sand, you know, something that could be taken away because jobs, people lose their jobs and their careers. People lose their families. Ultimately, um, all of these things are just substitutes for the real thing. And for me, that is um, our finding your identity in something unchanging, immovable, Jesus Christ. Because even if you go to a concentration camp in Ravensbrück, mm. if you have Jesus Christ, and everything else is taken away, it turns out you can still live a joyful life. And that may seem impossible, brain exploding idea, but someone proved it. You know, Corrie ten Boom showed us that you can live that kind of a life, even in a concentration camp. Um, and for me, that's that's amazing that that there is this kind of a life that exists where you can be truly authentically you with nothing else with nothing, no, none of that other stuff 
and it's because of a person called Jesus Christ. Um, there is the, the concept of eternity. Where where will we find, you know, the, the, the psychologists tell us there's there's two things we can't live without, love and hope, okay? Those are kind of two ultimate things that people need to live a flourishing life. And the problem is that we live in a world where those two things can be taken away so easily. And so is that what we're destined to? I believe actually, no, Jesus, when he comes in his death, he shows us the ultimate act of love, the ultimate act of sacrifice saying, I'm going to give it all for you because you're worth so much to me. And in his resurrection, he shows us the ultimate act of hope that this life is not the end, that no matter what it looks like, you know, from where you're sitting, death is not the end. In fact, life can begin right now before death. There is this eternal life which begins for us when we put our, our trust in him. So for me, eternity and love, you know, those again, they're, they're, they're at the center of what Jesus offers. Um, you know, in the end, the way the Bible defines God is not as a kind of omnipresent, eternal, um, you know, all-knowing thing. The one phrase it uses ultimately to find God is love. God is love. And if you believe in love, and I think ultimately all people do believe in love, then you've got to ask yourself, where did that come from? Mm. Is that just a kind of some byproduct of some kind of evolutionary, you know, instinct? Maybe it is, but then it's not love. It's just chemicals, you know, and that's my problem is the things that are most important to us in life, love, justice, truth, beauty, they've got to have, they've got to find their place in something, in someone, in my view, that has to go beyond just the chemicals and atoms that make up this world. Otherwise, it's all just an illusion. Let's be honest. Okay. But if you believe it's not an illusion, if you believe there's something, and I, from what I hear in Dagmar's story, she says, there's something that I can't quite let go of. There's something in me. And I think a lot of people, if they dig deep down, they find that something there as well. Again, I'm speaking as a Christian, but I truly believe that Jesus is that something. Jesus is the thing that suddenly makes sense of all of those desires and dreams and hopes and beliefs in, in, in love, in beauty, that search for eternity, that search for authenticity, for restoration, it all finds its, its ultimate center in Jesus, in my experience. And it's not always an easy journey to get to that point. There's lots of questions along the way, but for me, yes, again, sorry for the long answer, but for me, they all find their, their kind of, the meeting point is in, is in Jesus Christ. Well, Justin, um, I could say I'm sorry for asking you tough questions on the spot, <laughs> but it wouldn't be true. <laughs> uh, Dagmar says she can talk. So, Dagmar, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up with Justin here? Um, well, first of all, I just um, I just love the way you're answering the questions because like, it makes so much more sense. And I'm just sitting here in a train looking at the world, and I'm just like thinking like how could this all be if there is a god or a greater being or anything like that because it's just so beautiful even though it's like sort of winter slash spring but there's snow and there's no leaves and so it's so beautiful it's cloudy but how could that possibly be without having like an exterior purpose so while listening to you you talking it just it starts to make a little more sense 
Oh, well, I'm, 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 a, I'm just very, so very glad that, that, that some, some of what I said has made some sense, Dagmar. Um, I love that you're in a train listening and seeing the world go by. I just got this picture in my mind of you seeing the world. And, and I agree. Um, the world is beautiful. You know, we can all agree on that. But I think it's when we dig a little bit deeper and we ask, what, why do I believe, what does that mean ultimately? You know, what, is there a, is there a beauty behind the beauty, you know, or is it just the way things turned out? I find it very difficult to believe that it's just a, that it's just random, you know, that, that this world just happened to, to end up this way. I see too much beauty in a sense that one of the answers to the question of why is there pain in the world is the other question is why is there so much goodness and so much beauty in the world? It's kind of also a problem, you know, because, um, it, it speaks to us of something that exists that's really there. And, and sometimes I think even, even very non-religious people kind of recognize that, you know, when they, they sit on a mountain and they see some sunset, it's almost like they want to give thanks to someone or something for it. And I think that there's that kind of desire in us, you know, to, to recognize that, you know, this is, this is, this is pointing beyond itself often this world is pointing beyond itself to something. But um, I, I'm just, I'm just thrilled that you're, you're open to that, that journey and, and thinking about those kinds of issues, Dagmar. Yeah, I mean, I am too, because otherwise I wouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, it just makes a little more sense. Every time I speak to someone on this podcast, it just makes a little more sense. So thank you, Janelle, for having me. And thank you, Justin, for answering my questions and answering Janelle's questions. It's been, yeah. it's been lovely it's to meet you, Dagmar. You. Let's, let's keep in touch and we'll, you know, um, uh, I, I'd love to send you a copy of my book because a lot of the, the ideas I've been talking about kind of I've talked about in the book as well. So I'll, I'll try and send one over to you. Oh, well, for anyone listening right now, uh, Justin's book is called Unbelievable. You can find it on Amazon. It's a fantastic book. In fact, one of the one of the reviews that I read um, on Amazon when I purchased the book last fall was that it's like an update to C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, which is pretty high. I that's, know you're shaking your head. That's way too much of a, <laughs> of a comparison. It's, well, it's nowhere close. I didn't say it. Somebody else said kind. it. <laughs> um, but anyway, Justin, before before I let you go, um, where you mentioned you've got a new series coming up. I mentioned that you're doing TikTok videos, which you can find on Instagram, um, which are very fun. And then um, also uh, you you have um, your conference coming up. Where can people find out more about you? I love oh. I love plugging what you're doing because oh, it is so you. important. Oh, that's really kind. Thank you. Well, the book, um, one good place to go to find out more about the book is uh, I've got my own website now, justinbriley.com. Um, and you can actually find links to where you can get even a signed copy of the book and things like that. But but that's that's one place to go. Um, I've mentioned the big conversation, which is this special video discussion series with some really big names in the world of science and faith and philosophy. Um, so, so yeah, I'd love people to go and check that out. The big conversation dot show is the website for that one. And that's kind of, um, from unbelievable. So it's, it's unbelievable shows, but kind of with bells and whistles on, um, the unbelievable podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, just search up unbelievable with a question mark and, um, yeah. And the conference. Yeah. Uh, we are really looking forward to on Saturday, the 15th of May, 
uh, assuming this podcast is is around in time for that. Um, we've got some wonderful speakers. Um, particularly, I'm excited to have N.T. Wright uh, or Tom Wright, as he's also known, who's a, an amazing New Testament Bible scholar um, and probably second to C.S. Lewis, one of the most influential people in my life in terms of thinking mm. through issues. Um, so he's going to be our special guest on that uh, for that online conference, um, which uh, is actually a good one to join us from anywhere in the world because we're kind of doing it at a time that works for Europe. It's 2 p.m. UK time, but that's like 9 a.m. Um, Eastern time. So hopefully people in the States can join us uh, live on Saturday, the 15th of May. Uh, and lots of other great guests as well joining us for the day on that. So um, the place to go for that is unbelievable.live. Awesome. And for people like me who may be interested in something like that at 6 a.m. in the morning Pacific time. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you're on West Coast, 6 a.m. Nice and early. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, Justin, I already asked you the, fi the final question. I'm so thankful you came back. Uh, truly, uh, our conversation last fall with Caleb... Um, emboldened me to do uh, this format here. Um, wow. And I was recently on somebody else's podcast, and she said to me the same question that I asked you, which is, isn't it risky to have people with different beliefs on your program and have them share their story? And ultimately, we talked for a while on that, but I basically quoted you <laughs> <laughs> and uh, came up with the same conclusion, I think, which is, um, it's worth it. And um, I'm willing yeah. to take the risk. Yeah, um, and maybe sure. you just ex you just heard Duckmar say, if you're listening to this right now, that she's looking at things a little differently. And uh, man, if that's not worth it, uh, I don't know what is. So <laughs> thank you so much. And uh, we're not done yet. Come back next time, friend. Uh, I'm really excited uh, for our next conversation. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting co-hosts to join me to share their personal stories and to ask their honest questions about the Christian faith. Each month, we hope to feature a different co-host and together invite guests on to share from their own faith journeys and experiences. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all about what's so great about Jesus, I hope you come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.